I think one of our main failings, certainly one of my main failings, is, is a failure to keep the main thing the main thing. We just get so easily distracted by things that are not of great importance. And uh, we end up spending a lot of time and energy and money on things that, that just are not important. They're not, they're not going to last forever. They don't, we don't view things with an eternal perspective. And, and Peter, in, in many ways, has been giving his last will and testament here. And um, he's been telling us about the things that we really need to keep the main thing, the things that we need to keep in mind. And so he's going to summarize that for us today. We begin in verse 10. Uh, I'm just going to read through to the end of the chapter, end of the letter. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. That includes your heavenly body. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. These are some things, yes, beg your pardon, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. <laughs> we found that, didn't we, going through the book of Romans, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is God's word. Recently, um, I've just been thinking about the way we're carrying on here in Harare. I mean, have you noticed the way that we're bulldozing houses in the northern suburbs so that we can build multiple units all on the same property? Um, so that means instead of just one family living there, there's going to be many families living there, and all of those families are going to need cars, and they're all going to need water, and yet we're not keeping up with maintaining our roads, so the traffic is just getting more and more hectic, and we're not upgrading our roads. And when you think of water, we do the very clever thing of developing wetlands so that we're not replenishing our boreholes that are dwindling so that we don't have enough water for all the new people that are going to be, be growing. And it's easy for us to think in terms of the northern suburbs, but it's far, far worse than the high-density suburbs, where it just seems like nobody gives a toss, really, um, about the fact that children are dying from dysentery. Um, people are just greedy after their own um, needs and not really doing anything about it. Um, and then when I really want to cheer myself up, <laughs> I start... I start considering um, icebergs that are melting and um, glaciers that are shrinking and record temperatures, and I wonder what would happen 
if Israel and Gaza hauled all their many allies into a massive war in the Middle East. And, and all of this just leads me to the conclusion that whether at home here in Zimbabwe or abroad, things are really in a mess. And they're not sustainable. I just wonder, maybe you wonder as well, where's it all going to end? Surely the world cannot continue like this. And the good news, folks, is that it doesn't have to. And it won't. Peter has told us how it's going to end. You can see there verse 10 in the first slide. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now that word exposed or revealed, um, the commentators tell us that it's got judicial overtones. So the idea is that by burning up the whole of creation, everything from the dawn of time will be exposed as to whether it was good or whether it was bad, whether it was done to please God or not. And that's exactly the imagery that Paul uses as well in one of his letters, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 15. Let's read it together. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else, someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds. Talking about what we do with our lives on the foundation that he has established by bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, and which means that we're Christians now today. And no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, whether with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. It'll be exposed. It'll be revealed. For the day of the Lord will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. Can you see the similarity? And the fire will test what sort of work each person has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. This is speaking of the fact that if we are in Christ, we will be saved, but maybe we won't be saved with any precious stones, our work, that um, has been done for God. Maybe those things will be burnt up because they weren't built with gold and silver and precious stones. So Paul wants us to build with those things um, because the fire won't burn those up. And when the earth is laid bare, that's the word that Peter uses, our work will be revealed as genuine. But it's not only our work, folks, that is going to be revealed as genuine or not. It's actually going to be us as well. And it's only if we are genuine that we will qualify to inhabit what comes next. Did you see what it said there? It says, the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Folks, we need to be righteous if we are going to dwell in the new heavens and the new earth, because that's where righteousness dwell. We need to be qualified. We need to be in right standing with God before we can dwell with the righteous in the new heaven and the new earth. So let's just pause and consolidate for a moment. What is Peter saying? He's saying that, that the day of the Lord will reveal two things. 
whether we're genuine and whether our work is genuine. Whether we're genuine, just think of that. That needs to come first. Are we genuine Christians? Have we been put into right standing with God? Have we been recreated? Have we been adopted as his child? And you know, his work will not change us. Only the work of Jesus on the cross will change us. We're not recreated as genuine Christians by our work. It is the work of Jesus that recreates us. It is a gift by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, consider the second thing, whether our work is genuine. Paul assumes that the people who are reading this letter have been put into right standing with God. He assumes that they, they are genuine, that when they're tested by fire, they won't be found lacking. But his concern is that the work on that foundation of that right standing would be good. And so how is he going to motivate them to do this? How is he going to motivate them to work in such a way that they produce work that is pleasing to God? And he uses the day of the Lord to motivate them. Look at verse 11. It says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, talking about the old heaven and the old earth, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? And so today we're going to answer that question. What sort of people ought we to be? What sort of things should we prioritize? What are important in our lives? What should be important? First thing is that it's important to strain for holiness and peace. Second thing, it's important to remember God's patience. Third, we need to remember to be on guard. That's important. And fourthly, it is important to grow in grace and knowledge. So we're just going to look at those four things because those are things that we need to keep the main thing in our lives. First of all, strain for holiness and peace. Look at verse 14. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, waiting for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells, since we're waiting for that, let's be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And that verb, to be found by him, is the same one that's used in verse 10 when it talks about how everything will be disclosed and revealed by fire. Folks, our work is going to be revealed for what it is on the day of the Lord. And it should come as no surprise, folks, therefore, that we should make every effort to be blameless and spotless and at peace with God. It is true that when Christ returns, we're not going to be judged on whether we're saved or not. No amount of effort will earn your salvation. However, we will be judged, folks, and we need to hear this, on the quality of our work. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And that Greek verb that we found in verse 14, be diligent, it's in the present tense. And whenever that happens in the Greek, it's telling us that this is something that we need to do all day, every day. We need to be diligent all day, every day, to be spotless and blameless before God. And folks, if we're doing that, then we will be working with gold and silver and precious stones. 
I wonder if you're thinking, how am I going to do this? What is this going to look like tomorrow morning when I wake up, Monday morning, ready to go to work? And I think that maybe the best way to just sum it up is just when you go through the day, just continuously do a temperature check and just ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? How can I please Jesus? And that means that we're going to be striving for peace, doesn't it? Because we won't be doing things that will put us at enmity with God. We'll be doing the kind of things that please Him. And I think it'll make a huge difference if we were just to do that. Father God, how can I please you today? When things are going wrong at work, how can I please you in this situation? So that's the first thing that we need to do. And if we do that, I believe that we'll be building with gold, silver, and precious stones. So that's the first thing, strain for holiness and peace. The second thing is it's important to remember God's patience. Now that seems like a bit of a strange thing to remember. Why should we remember God's patience? Well, it's because God's patience reminds us of our main job in life, which is to extend the kingdom of God. So how do I get that? Well, let's have a look at verse 15. He says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. So God is delaying the return of Jesus Christ so that people can get saved. So he's giving us time to do what he's called us to do, which is to extend the kingdom of God so that people can be brought into his kingdom. And when it talks about God's patience, that word means to bear up under suffering. Have you ever thought of the fact that God is suffering because he's delaying the return of Christ? I often wonder what it would be like to know absolutely everything that is going on in the world. To know of that mother in in Gaza who's just lost her child, to experience that pain in your heart and then multiply that thousands, millions, billions of times. God is going through incredible pain and suffering and he could end it all by bringing Jesus back. But he chooses not to do that. And why does he choose not to do that? So that people can be brought into the kingdom of God. Think of what God is going through, folks. Use that to remind you what your main purpose is in life, which is to take the gospel to other people. And folks, if we are living in a way that pleases Jesus, don't you think that our lives will become a sermon that declare the honor and praise of God? If we seek to please Jesus, don't you think he will help us to know what to say to people, when to pray, when to be silent, when to speak up, how to challenge, how to exhort he will be able to help us with all of those things. So we strain for holiness and peace. That's important. Let's express the inner change that has happened in us. And we are to remember God's patience. Why do we remember God's patience? Because it reminds us of our prime purpose, which is to take the gospel. Let's not allow God's suffering, in a sense, to be in vain as he waits and gives people a chance to come into his kingdom. Third thing. It's important to be on guard. He says there in verse 17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, and here's the instruction, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. What is it that we know beforehand? It's the fact that false teachers are coming, that people are coming 
who are going to lead us away from the truth. So knowing that, we need to take care that we won't be carried away by their deception. And this is something that we've been emphasizing at Harvest. We've been beating the drum for this for weeks and weeks and just saying, please, get into your Bible. Read your Bible. Spend time studying it individually. This is why we've done the the Advent Bible reading um, program. But also, spend time doing it in life groups. And incidentally, I just have to say that there's only a limited amount of time. Um, we're also limited by logistics here on a Sunday morning. It's very difficult, for example, to have a time of open prayer um, because people praying at the back won't he- hear people in the front. It's, it's difficult to exercise the gifts of the Spirit, although we do it um, within the constraints that we have here on a Sunday. But those things are all meant to happen in your life groups. This, this is where we spend time together, and this is where we, we read the Bible or somebody shares something and we're like, mm, I'm not sure about that. So-and-so is saying this, and this teacher is saying that. I listened to a podcast. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. Let's get into the Word. These are all ways that we can be on our guard. So that's the third thing. Strain for holiness and peace is the first. Remember God's patience. Be on your guard. And then lastly, grow in grace and knowledge. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Um, Verse 18 begins with that word but. So what is he contrasting? There are two alternatives. On the one hand, we could fall if we're deceived by false teachers. On the other hand, we want to grow. And that's obviously what we're going to concentrate on. And what are we to grow in? Well, it says there that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that what Peter said at the start of the letter? And remember in those days, if you put something at the start and put it at the end, it was called an inclusio. It is a way of emphasizing what was important. This is what Peter thinks is important. It's important for us to know Jesus That's what he said at the beginning. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, multiplied to you. How do we get it? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Folks, it's very important that we consider this concept of knowledge because in the New Testament, knowledge doesn't come from facts and information. It comes from a deep, intimate relationship. I use the example earlier on when we were talking about this, of Gail and myself. It's only when I enter into a covenant of marriage with Gail and commit myself to her and she commits herself to me that we can really start that journey of getting to know each other. I could know a lot of things about Gail, but I wouldn't actually know Gail. And it's the same for us as Christians. It's only when we enter into a covenant with with Jesus that we can really start to know him. And the way this process works, folks, is we'll read something in the Bible. The Bible says, how can you expect God to forgive you if you won't forgive your brother or your sister? That's knowledge. Okay, I need to forgive. But do I really know that? Do I really know God's forgiveness until I've been through the experience of having to forgive somebody else? That outworking, that obedience, that holiness and blamelessness that he was talking about earlier. I'll only really know God as one who's forgiven me 
when I've had to forgive my brother or my sister in Christ. Or if someone's persecuting me and I'm turning the other cheek, I'll only really then know what, what it was like for Jesus if I'm being obedient to that knowledge. It's the same with love, isn't it? The Bible says, love one another. But you know, it's only when I love somebody who's unlovable or maybe doesn't love me that I start to get a real knowledge, a real taste of God's love for me. So we need to grow in the knowledge of God. And I love the fact that it says there, um, oh sorry, it's, it's the one before, um, but it says that we are to grow in grace. And, and I think that there's a sense here that the grace of God, His amazing supply to us, is actually the soil in which we grow. So we grow in that soil of grace. Isn't that what he said at the beginning of the letter? He said, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That grace, that provision of God is the soil in which we grow. And he's provided everything that we need for life and godliness. You know, the lion's share of the work doesn't rest on him, uh, on us. It rests on him. So just to conclude then, let's make sure, folks, that we, we concentrate on what's important in life. It is important, folks, to strain to holiness and peace. And the simplest way to do that is just to say that prayer. Lord Jesus, how can I please you? On Friday night, when we were under a little bit of pressure with the, uh, with the AV and, uh, and the technical side of things, I was just like, afterwards I thought, how would it have been different? How would I have been different inside of myself if I just said, Lord Jesus, how can I please you in this situation? Be the same for all of us. It's important to remember God's patience, folks. And remember that God's patience means that he's going through a lot of pain and suffering. There's a, he, he wants Jesus to come back. Um, but he also wants all of those that he's called and elected to come into his kingdom. And he partners with us to do that work. So as we remember that, remember God's patience, it motivates us to get involved one heart at a time, isn't it? Until that final tipping point when God says, right, Jesus returns. Be on your guard. Yes, folks, remember it says, be careful that you do not fall from your secure position. So we do have a secure position. We don't need to be afraid, but we also need to be careful. And God establishes our secure position sometimes by giving us warnings like this. Just be careful. Don't get deceived. Be on your guard. And then lastly, um, it's important to grow. Position your things to Position yourself, folks, to learn things about God. And then through faith and obedience, put those things into practice. And then you will really get to know God. So do you see how it starts? We get to know things about God. And then through trust and obedience, we actually get to know God. Shall we pray? Father God, we just ask for a gentle reminder tomorrow morning. Maybe more than a gentle reminder. Some of us, I know that I need more than a gentle reminder sometimes. But Father, just remind us what's important. And we just want to commit ourselves as a family today to, to pleasing you, Lord Jesus.
Help us tomorrow just to go into the day, whatever happens, just say, Lord Jesus, how can I please you in this situation? And Father, we, we thank you for all that you've done. You're so gracious to us, and we love you so much. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.